Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellen podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Good morning. Morning. Hey. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, I come from ba- Baptist background. I know some of y'all know that. And um, there are gifts to this background, and then there are challenges <laughs> that I'm still kind of healing from. But one, one phrase that my family always laughs about is uh, from, the, from our Southern Baptist home church. And it's a question, and really my dad does the best impersonation of it, but I'll do my best. Um, and it's, it's this, this voice. It's the voice of an evangelist who says, do you know that 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 if you died today, you'd spend eternity with Jesus and your Lord and Savior. <laughs> Who feels triggered? <laughs> uh, it's all the you knows, you know? If you know, you know, or if you knew, you knew. But wow, that, that pressure to feel like we've got to know that we know that we know that we know that you know that I know that we are saved. And I can even imagine this uh, evangelist preacher man asking this question, and it, I bet he has hair that never moves, you know, that's kind of just magically glued upright. And even, even the evangelist's hair knows that if his hair moves out of line, it's not good. This is just something I think we're still recovering from, the terror of this kind of fundamentalism in our faith. And even though we've had years of refuge at places like Life in Deep Elm or other churches, um, this kind of fear and shame of, of knowing without a shadow of a doubt in our heads that we are saved kind of keeps us stuck. We don't get to experience the grace of Jesus in our hearts. And it's when the grace of Jesus finds our hearts that it moves out to our hands and our words and our actions. But if we keep faith up in our heads, that can lead to a lot of problems. So this next series that we're venturing into comes in the time of Eastertide. Did you know that Easter is not just a one and done day? Okay, we get to celebrate Easter Tide together, which is just a season of reflecting on the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to study some specific encounters of the risen Jesus. Last week, Marcel told us about the road of Emmaus and when Jesus shows up and the people that see him think he's a stranger, but it turns out he's Jesus. Jesus kind of likes these surprise encounters once he's risen. So we're going to begin this season of Eastertide and really focus on how do we move our faith from the head to the heart, like that awesome song we sing with the band. Um, How do we allow our faith to become something that's not just a mental game, but is a real embodied life within our hearts? These are some of the questions we'll be asking. So we're in the Gospel of John today, and we're in chapter 20, 
we're in verse 24, Jesus and Thomas. Who has heard of Thomas? And, and if you've heard of Thomas, what have you heard about him? The doubter, yes. Thomas has gone down in history as doubting Thomas, right? Um, and it's okay if you, if you haven't heard of Thomas, that's all right. We're all, we're all learning together. Um, but Thomas was one of the disciples, but he, he had the courage to doubt. And so we're going to hear a story, and I want you to hear, hear this scripture from John 20, verse 24. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with him. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Even though Thomas eventually becomes a believer, he still goes down as doubting Thomas, poor guy. He doesn't even get to redeem himself. I mean, Thomas, what's such a beautiful story about Thomas is that he is brave enough to express his doubt. We have been told again and again that this is the wrong thing to do as Christians. If you have a doubt, keep it to yourself. Don't be going and spreading that. But actually, in our own New Testament, in our own gospel, we have an example of a faithful doubter. And in, in expressing his doubt, honestly, he shows his faith. I think that if Thomas really believed that there was too much at stake to doubt out loud. I don't think he would have expressed his doubt, his, his scary skepticism. I don't think he would have showed it to his peers. He would have been too ashamed if it was really something that was so bad to do as a follower of Jesus. And he has real conditions to believing that Jesus really is resurrected. He, he lists it out. You know, he's not just saying, I have a few doubts. He's like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I need to believe. What a bold expression of vulnerability. Unless I see the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. He's saying, you know, word of mouth doesn't do it for me. Seeing the rumors on TikTok or seeing the news story or the, you know, word on the street, I don't, I don't want that. I've actually got to see it for myself. I've got to touch his healed body, his risen, resurrected body. Can you relate to Thomas? Yeah? You may have also, and, and like me too, 
wanted to see it for yourself. I wonder if Thomas thought that his conditions for belief were impossible to fulfill. Like when he says, unless I see the mark of the nails in my hand and his side, I wonder if it's his version of saying, I'll believe when pigs fly or when hell freezes over or when the cows come home, even though I've never understood the cow one myself. But maybe he was saying, you know what? This will never happen. I'm gonna say the audacious request, the audacious conditions for belief. Or maybe it was his candid refusal to fall for a silly trick. He could not afford to lose hope on account of his own gullibility, that's for sure. Because you see, he had fallen for enough already. He had fallen right into discipleship and it had cost him so much. And in the depths of his grief, really believing that his Lord and Savior had died, this was no joking matter. This was no April Fool's prank that he wanted to be a part of or an insensitive hoax. This was the supposed resurrection of his Lord and Savior, Jesus. There was too much at stake for him to just naively bite when offered the best news he could have ever hoped to hear. What if it was too good to be true? And so he protects himself with such specific and demanding conditions. He will only believe if he can touch and feel and experience this resurrection for himself. He isn't up for mind games or belief that requires him to do mental gymnastics and stay up in his head. It's much easier to to protect his vulnerable heart. His sorrowful, skeptical heart needs protection. Ah, but that's not where the story ends. Because Jesus seems to hear his demands even from afar because that's how Jesus is. We don't have to speak our demands directly to him for him to know what we need on our journey. Did you know that? Jesus has a way of knowing what we need, knowing the longings of our heart. And Jesus, even in his resurrection, longs to be closer to those who love him. Doubt is not gonna keep Jesus away. It never, ever, ever does. No demand is too silly or specific or sinful for Jesus if it leads to a closer relationship with him. And no barrier of the heart is too thick. The story says that Jesus shows up even though the doors were shut. This is kind of like a ninja move to just appear even though the doors were shut. How does this happen? But I think that it also is symbolic because it doesn't just mean that the doors were shut in the home when Jesus appears to Thomas. I think that the doors were shut in other ways, in Thomas's heart, in having these doubts and concerns. There were barriers to belief that Jesus seems to transcend with his presence. Jesus interferes in the story. 
Jesus sees Thomas' doubt not as an obstacle to belief, but just as a step on the way to belief. He sees that Thomas is still willing to believe, and he has not, and Thomas hasn't written off Jesus. If anything, he's been transparent about his own doubts. And even if he really was feeling doubtful, I think he secretly really hoped that this pig would fly, (laughs) that the cows would come home. It's almost like Thomas seems to say, meet me here in my disbelief. Take my mustard seed of faith and help it grow, please God. Because sometimes all we have is a mustard seed, am I right? All we have is a little bit of faith and thank God that's always enough. Jesus would never give up on Thomas. A week passed by and he shows up in the house. Jesus doesn't need a key to enter through the door. His risen body enters through any barrier that tries to block him, including Thomas's protected skeptical heart. And enter in he does. He appears in resurrected majesty right before their eyes. And he greets them with peace. He says, peace be with you. And they're gonna need peace because it's probably scary to see, <laughs> to see what they're seeing. But then, oh friends, this is the most special part of the story. Because all those demands that Thomas had, all those audacious conditions for belief, guess what? Jesus is willing to meet them. Because he says to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. In this intimate moment between Thomas and Jesus, Jesus meets Thomas where he is, but doesn't leave him where he found him. He transforms him with his own self, with his patience and willingness to show Thomas his scars. Because that's the fascinating thing is when you picture the risen, resurrected Jesus, I know y'all just picture this all the time, at home, in your daydreams, you just think about what Jesus looked like when he was resurrected. But truly, maybe you have. And when you picture the resurrected Jesus, if you're like me, you picture Jesus showing up in a, in a new body, right? Like all fancy, all shiny, maybe some nicer sandals, some resurrection sandals, yeah, looking clean and pretty, no scars. But that, my friends, is not what the gospel tells us. The gospel says that Jesus was resurrected and still showed scars of crucifixion. And I think that's what resurrection's really like. I think we're still gonna sometimes have our scars when we experience new life in Christ. Jesus did. I can imagine Jesus saying 
uh, to Thomas, come on, dear one, touch me. I won't bite. I am risen. I am here. I love you and you are always mine. And I can imagine Thomas taking his own weary, skeptical hand and touching the sacred scars of his savior, scars that came with a massive price. And as he touches the hand of Jesus, as he experiences the wounds that are now healed, doubt and disbelief dissolves with every tender touch. What wondrous love is this? As if all the suffering Jesus went through was not enough to endure, he was still willing in his resurrection to go out of his way to prove who he was to those who may have had doubts because his abundant love never ran out. His grace and mercy and willingness to save those he loved could never be extinguished. The wounded hands of the wounded Christ would always stretch out towards those he loved. Fully human, fully God, with scars to show it, even out of the grave. I wonder if Thomas trusted him even more because Jesus was willing to meet him where he was. Then Jesus says to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. It's so, so sad that our tradition has often used these words to reprimand doubt. A lot of sermons about Thomas are like, yeah, blessed are, are you who have seen and come to believe, but it'd be better if you would have just believed to begin with. And that's one way to read Jesus's words, but I don't think it's the truest way because then you're dismissing all of Jesus' radical patience before, the, before that verse. You see, Jesus is not condemning Thomas's doubt. He's meeting him in it and then inviting him out of it with love. It's an invitation more than a condemnation. And my, my Lord, can't we get better at that at Christ, as Christians? Inviting people into faith instead of reprimanding them or condemning them into it. Paul says that we experience resurrection with Christ, that we die with Christ and are buried with him and we rise again and experience it with him. And I think this means that we too must be more comfortable showing off our scars to those around us. And I think that will help others move from the head to the heart. If we're willing to say, hey, we have new life, but we've seen some things. It's this vulnerability that will really invite people into faith. 
no one wants to be condemned for their doubt. Because what if doubt is just part of faith? What if doubt is a place you visit on the road to faith? And what if you meet Jesus there? What if he's waiting for you there, in fact? Willing to show you his scars. We can follow the way of Christ in mind, body, and soul. And we can prove his resurrection not by going around and shouting, oh, he really did, he really was resurrection, just with our words, words, words. That will only take us so far. What if we prove our, his resurrection with our wounds, with our healed scars? What if we show all the ways that God has breathed new life into us? This is the divorce that I survived. This is where the cancer didn't win. This is the grief that it feels like I will always carry. This is the thing that I thought would kill me, but it didn't. Our wounded hands, our loving hearts, and our curious minds will prove the love of the risen Christ more than any mental construct ever could. Because love is just more interesting than that. Friends, I invite you to trust the wounded Christ. He shows up, he loves us, and he is always worthy of our trust. Amen. could run away you would never leave you will always stay right by my side could run away you would never leave you will always stay right by my side 
right by my side right by my side right by my side right by my side and I need you I need you Every step of the way Yes, I need you I need you Every step of the way And everything I ever wanted I found in you Everything I ever wanted, I found in you. Right by my side. Everything I ever wanted, I found in you. Right by my side. Everything I ever wanted, I found in you. Right by my side. Everything I ever wanted, I found in you. Everything I ever wanted, I found in you. That you are able to worship with us as you go, receive this blessing on your week. May you know that the wounded, resurrected Christ is alive with you. Bring your doubts, bring your questions, bring your skepticism and be transformed and invited to grow in your faith. Go in peace, friends. You are loved. Amen.